Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello. <laughs> I paused there because there's a thing right across my face at the time that says, you are live. So I wait for it to fade away before I begin speaking. <sighs> not exactly the most comfortable way for me to sit given the uh, previous circumstances so if I adjust a lot more than usual because I adjust a lot anyway um, that's why I'm going to go over a few things tonight that I think we should discuss and some interesting things I had a really nice long phone conversation with Johnny Cerucci so we're going to bring up his book and talk about some of the stuff that he went over in a Illuminati Unmasked. And maybe we'll get into the one called Eaters of Children. 2017, he wrote that. And then there's another one in between there, Secret History of Something or Other. Let me see. You know what? No, it's already set up to where I want it to be, so it's good. Um, we also have the... Investigation of communicable, communicable Disease, Isolation, and Quarantine, Rule 213. We should go over that, too, because pursuant to the authority vested in the Public Health and Health Planning Council, oh, the pursuant to the authority that they've self-granted, no one, no one asked them to do any of that, and no one granted them any permissions to meddle with people's lives, but hey. <clears throat> We also have, let's see, from the Gutenberg.org ebooks, we have The Mysteries of Freemasonry by William Morgan. And we also have Proofs of a Conspiracy by John Robeson. And specifically, I want to talk about the Jesuits' role tonight because it's kind of surprising and a little counterintuitive, one would think. So I think we should start with that. Now, the what we're trying to what we're trying to establish here is some kind of semblance of reason, because the Jesuits all throughout their oath, their primary object, objective is to combat the Reformation proposed by and spearheaded by people like Jan Hus. Um, Oh my god, my my stream is crap right now. It's dying. This was happening yesterday too. 
I don't know what's wrong with the. I bet you the friggin' I don't know. I don't know. I can't change it on this phone, on this computer, but it keeps fading in and out, which means either somebody jacked up the wires outside yet again, or it just sucks because it's CenturyLink. But anyway, moving on. <clears throat> they were intended to be countering the Reformation, hence the Counter-Reformation War against Protestants, Lutherans, yada, yada. <clears throat> so what's really strange is to find them mingling or maybe when they were expelled or disbanded uh, briefly to find them in the Freemasonic order. Because Protestants being pursued by one would assume the Jesuits and, uh, you know, the Roman Catholic Church in general, they also sought, sought refuge in the Freemasonic lodges. So now you have these two people who are allegedly out for each other's death. Well, I mean, at least the Jesuits wanted to extirpate, poison, murder, any, any, any age for any reason. Protestant or Freemason is what they state in their oath. And yet they're in the Freemasonic order. And it's not like it's, they're not being secretive about it. They go in stating, as stated, known Jesuits when they do so. And the Protestants are in there too. So what's going on there? <clears throat> Let's go ahead and take a look at some of the background here, the back information here. Let me go to screen. All right. So this is from Proofs of a Conspiracy. I still don't feel like I'm on my game, and I know I'm not, but we're going to work through this. It says, My curiosity was strongly roused by the accounts given in the religions. Big Ben Hitton. Hitton. Big Ben Hitton. There I saw quotations without number, systems and schisms of which I had never heard. Now he's speaking from the perspective of a Freemason, something strange in his lodge, right? This is John Robeson discussing this. <clears throat> but what particularly <laughs> struck me was a zeal, a zeal, a fanaticism about what I thought trifles, which astonished me. Men of rank and fortune and engaged in serious and honorable public employments, not only frequenting the lodges of the cities where they resided, but journeying from one end of Germany or France to the other to visit new lodges or to learn new secrets or new doctrines. I saw conventions held at uh, Weisenar and Wisbad, at Colo, at Brunswick, and at Willemsbad, consulting of some hundreds of persons of respectable stations. I saw adventurers coming to the city, professing some new secret, and in a few days forming new lodges and instructing in the, a troublesome and expensive manner hundreds of brethren. <clears throat> German, uh, German masonry appeared a very serious concern, and to be implicated with other subjects with which I had never suspected it to have any, 
uh, any connection. I saw it much connected with many occurrences and schisms in the Christian church. I saw that the Jesuits had several times interfered in it and that most of the exceptionable innovations and dissensions had arisen about the time that the Order of Loyola was suppressed. So that it should seem that these intriguing brethren had attempted to maintain their influence by the help of Freemasonry. I saw it much disturbed by the mystical whims of J. Beeman and Swedenborg, by the fanatical and navish doctrines of the modern Rosicrucians, by magicians, magnet, by magnificent, I guess, sorry, it's two words that sound a lot like a merging because brain. By doctrines of modern Rosicrucians, by magicians, magnetizers, exorcists, etc. And I observed that these different facts reprobated each other as not only maintaining erroneous opinions, but even inculcating opinions which were contrary to the established religions of Germany and contrary to the principles of the civil establishments. At the same time, they charged each other with mistakes and corruptions, both in doctrine and in practice, and particularly with falsification of the first principles of Freemasonry. And with ignorance of its origin and its history, they supported these charges by authorities from many different books, which were unknown to me. They're changing the very fabric of the of the or of the lodges and creating new ones. <clears throat> My curiosity was now greatly excited. I got from a much respected friend many of the preceding volumes of religions. Uh, Becca Ben Hyten, in hopes of much information from the patient industry of German irritation. This opened a new and very interesting scene. I was frequently sent back to England from whence all agreed that Freemasonry had been imported into Germany. I frequently led I was frequently led into France and into Italy. There and more remarkably in France, I found that the lodges had become the haunts of many projectors and fanatics, both in science, in religion, and in politics, who had availed themselves of the secrecy and the freedom of speech maintained in these meetings. So they're utilizing the, the secrecy of the practices to keep their own activities off the, uh, the line of sight of, of, the, of the main goings on politically, keeping themselves safe while they, while they preach their nonsense, right? They're basically uh, fomenting, being subversive, creating, creating issues where there, are, where there are none, rousing suspicions and distrust in established order. That's me saying that. Let's see. To broach their particular whims or suspicions, <clears throat> let me start over again. To broach their particular whims or suspicious doctrines, which, if published to the world in the usual manner, would have exposed the authors to ridicule or to censor. These projectors had contrived to tag their uh, peculiar nostrums to the mummery of masonry and were even allowed to twist the Masonic emblems and ceremonies 
to their purpose so that in their hands, Freemasonry became a thing totally unlike and almost in direct opposition to the system, if it may get such a name, imported from England, and some lodges had become schools of irreligion and licentiousness. No nation in modern times has so particularly turned its attention to the cultivation of everything that is refined or ornamental as France. Hold on one second. I just got to check something real quick. Because I always don't, and it's always messed up. But see, I don't like that view. Me there instead. There, it's better. As France, and it has long been the resort of all who hunt after entertainment in the most refined form. The French have come to consider themselves as the instructors of the world in everything that ornaments life, right? They're very uh, pretentious and uppity, right? And feeling themselves received as such, they have formed their manners accordingly, full of the most condescending <laughs> complacence to all who acknowledge their superiority. Delighted in, the high, in a high degree, with this office, they have become zealous missionaries of refinement in every department of human pursuit and have reduced their uh, apostolic employment to a system which they prosecute with ardor and delight. This is not groundless declamation, but sober historical truth. It was the professed aim, and it was a magnificent and wise aim of the great Colbert to make the court of Louis XIV the fountain of human refinement and Paris, the Athens of Europe. We only look, <clears throat> we need only look in the present day at the plunder of Italy by the French army to be convinced that their low-born generals and statesmen, statesmen have in this respect the same notions with the Colberts and the... Yes, I'm, see, my brain doesn't work that well when I have those stupid medications in me. I get tongue-tied a lot. I know no subject in which this aim at universal influence on the opinions of men by holding themselves forth as the models of excellence and elegance is more clearly seen than in the care of that, in, in the care that they have been pleased to take of Freemasonry. It seems indeed per, uh, peculiar. <clears throat> it seems indeed peculiarly oh my god man it's like i know how to say these words but my brain doesn't because of the stupid freaking meds i'm on it seems indeed peculiarly <laughs> suited to the talents and tastes of that vain and ardent people baseless and frivolous it admits to every form that gaelic refinement can invent to recommend it to recommend it to the young the gay the luxurious that class of society which alone deserves their care because in one way or another it leads all other classes of society let me just click one more time because i gotta get back down to where the all right getting back into where this is jesuity <laughs> I recommend this hint to the consideration of the brethren. I have met with many particular facts which convinced me that this use had been made of the meetings of Masons and that 
at this time, the Jesuits interfered considerably, insinuating themselves into the lodges and contributing to increase that religious mysticism that is to be observed in all the ceremonies of the order. This society is well known to have put on every shape and to have made use of every mean that could promote the power and influence of the order. And we have, and we know that at this time they were by no means without hopes of reestablishing the dominion of the Church of Rome in England. Their services were not scrupled at by the distressed royalists, even such as were the Protestants, while they were highly prized by the sovereign. We also know that Charles II was a was a <clears throat> was made a mason and frequented the lodges. It is not unlikely that besides the amusement of a vacant hour, which was always agreeable to him, he had the pleasure in the meetings with his loyal friends and in the occupations of the lodge, which recalled to his mind their attachments and services. His brother and successor, James II, was of a more serious and manly cast of mind and had little pleasure in the frivolous ceremonies of masonry. He did not frequent the lodges. But by this time, they were the resort of many persons who were not of the profession or members of a, tra of a trading corporation. <clears throat> this circumstance, in all probability, produced the denominations of free and accepted. A person who has the privilege of working at any incorporated trade is said to be a freeman of that trade. Others were accepted as brethren and admitted to a kind of honorary freedom, as is the case in many other trades and incorporations without having, as far as we can learn for, for certain, a legal title to earn a livelihood by the exercise of it. So non-union, basically, right? The lodge is being in the, well, let me hold on. Let's hit this up again. Oop. And I'm skipping down here, but they took Freemasonry with them to the continent where it was immediately received by the French and was cultivated with great zeal in a manner suited to the tastes and habits of that highly polished people. The lodges in France naturally became the rendezvous of the adherence to the exiled king and the means of carrying on a correspondence with their friends in England. At this time also, the Jesuits took a more active hand in Freemasonry than ever. They insinuated themselves into the English lodges where they were uh, caressed by the Catholics who panted after the reestablishment of their, of their faith and tolerated, and tolerated by the Protestant royalists who thought no concession too great a compensation for their services. These are the people that were being hunted by the Jesuits. At this time, changes were made in some of the Masonic symbols. Hear that? Particularly in the tracing of the lodge, which bear evident marks of Jesuitical, <laughs> that's a word apparently, interference. Let's do one more. I think we got that one. In all this progressive mummery, we see much of the hand of the Jesuits, and it would seem that it was encouraged by the church. But a thing happened which might easily have been foreseen. The lodges had become familiar with this kind of invention. The professed object of many real orders of knighthood 
was often very whimsical or very refined and far-fetched, and it required all the finesse of the clergy to give it some slight connection with religion or morality. The Masons, protected by their, by their secrecy, ventured to go farther. The declamations in the lodges by the brother orator most naturally, most naturally, Jesus Daniel, resemble the compositions of the ancient sophists. Now, you don't get that confused with Stoics. Okay, sophists were like the traveling bullshitters. All right, sophists were were great at debate, but it didn't matter if they were right or wrong as long as they won the argument. They taught noble classes the art of being able to talk your way out of shit and talk your way into shit basically they were like training salesmen to sell to that i mean i'm diminishing them on purpose because sophists had no scruples all right they weren't stoics they were sophists all right and that's that's there, there's a there's a definite difference there don't ever confuse like a socratean or a plato or any of those other aristotle with a sophist they weren't sophists they were Stoic, big difference, okay? And it consists of wire-drawn dissertations on the social duties where everything is amplified and strained to hyperbole, which is a bunch of high-fluent talk and bullshit, and their far-fetched and fanciful explanations of the symbols of masonry. So they talk a bunch of nonsense because they don't know themselves, and then they're the ones allegedly holding on to the secrets. Oh, yes, just keep doing these tricks for us, little doggy, and we'll teach you all the ways of the symbols. Thus accustomed to allegory, to fiction, to finesse, and to a sort of innocent hypocrisy by which they cajoled themselves into a notion that this child's play had at bottom, had at bottom a serious and important meaning, the zealous champions of Freemasonry found no inclination to check this inventive spirit or... Uh, or circumscribe its flights. Under the protection of Masonic secrecy, they planned schemes of a different kind, and instead of more orders of chivalry directed against the enemies of their faith, they formed associations in opposition to the ridiculous and oppressive ceremonies and superstitions of the church. There can be no doubt that in those hidden assemblies, a free communication of sentiment was highly relished and much indulged. It was also, it was, sorry, it was soon suspected that such use was made of the convert of a, of a, yeah, of a Mason Lodge, and the church dreaded the consequences and endeavors to suppress the lodges, but in vain. And when it was found that even, uh, auricular confession and the spiritual threatenings of the church could not make the brethren break their oath of secrecy a full confidence in their security made these free-thinking brethren bring forward with all the eagerness of a missionary such sentiments that they were afraid to hazard in ordinary society let's move one more down here the, these rosicrucian lodges were soon established let's get it up a little bit higher than that freemasonry professes Profess Freemasonry, professing mysteries, instantly roused all these people, and the lodges appeared to to the adventurers who wanted to profit by the enthusiasm or the avarice, avarice, 
Jesus Christ, avarice of their dupes. The, uh, the fittest places in the world for the scene of their operations. The Rosicrucians were the first who availed themselves of the opportunity. This was not the society which had appeared formerly under the na- under that name, not the real Rosicrucians, and was not ex- and was now extinct. But a set of alchemists, pretenders to the transmutation of metals and the universal medicine, who the better to in uh, inveigle their oops, oops, oops their votaries had mixed with their own tricks a good deal of the absurd superstitions of that sect in order to give a greater air of mystery to the whole, to protract the time of instruction and to afford more room for evasions by making so many difficult conditions necessary for perfecting the grand work. And I gotta move this stupid thing out of the way. And that the unfortunate goal who had thrown away his time and his money might believe that the failure was owing to his own incapacity or unfitness or being the professor, the uh, sorry, the possessor of the grand secret. These cheats found it convenient to make masonry one of their conditions, and by a small degree of art persuaded their pupils that they were the only true masons. These Rosicrucian lodges were soon established and became numerous because their mysteries were addressed both to the curiosity and sensuality and to the avarice of men. They became a very formidable band, adopting the constitution of the Jesuits, dividing the fraternity into circles, each under the management of its own superior, known to the president, but unknown to the individuals of the lodge. These superiors were connected with each other in a way known only to themselves, and the whole was under one general. At least this was the account which they wished to be believed. If it be just nothing but the absurdity of the ostensible motives of their occupations could have prevented this combination from carrying on schemes big with hazard to the peace of the world. But the Rosicrucian lodges have always been considered by other Freemasons as bad societies and as gross uh, schismatics. This did not hinder, however, their alchemical did i get that right yeah chemical and medical secrets from being frequently introduced into the lodges of simple freemasonry and in like manner exorcism or ghost raising magic and other gross superstitions were often held out in their meetings as attainable mysteries which would be immense acquisitions to the fraternity without any necessary admitting along with them the religious deliriums of the rosicrucians all right, I'm going to put this down for a minute and we're going to move over to the next thing, which I believe should be right here. So now we're going to talk about Francis Bacon a little bit, but I have to take a moment here and just get it so they drink. Also, anytime along, wait, you might not even be able to see this on your screen. Let me double check and make sure you can. Let me, uh, zip, zip, and take that one down too. No, that's there. Jesus, fucking everything's up. All right. 
Let's see if you guys can see me. Let's try this again. Yes, you can. Okay, good. So this is from Johnny Cerucci's Illuminati Unmasked. Everything you need to know about the New World Order. <laughs> Everything you need to know about the New World Order and how we will beat it. So this is, for Freemasons, Bacon's New Atlantis was a powerful idea of Gnostic Nirvana, salvation by secret knowledge. It is this reason that causes them to parse the devil from Lucifer, the bearer of light, yet they serve one and the same. Atlantis first becomes to us via Atlantis first comes to us via the Socratic dialogue of Timaeus by Plato in 360 BC. In it, Plato appears to create a fictional adversary of advanced warrior prowess that attacks noble Athens but is staved off. Falling out of favor with the gods, the island was shaken by earthquakes and engulfed by the ocean. Was this an allegory of the antediluvian earth or was it something more? Atlantis would return in much more positive light 1,700 years later thanks to British occultist Francis Bacon. Bacon is considered the father of empiricism and a great practitioner of the scientific method. His processes of examining the environment would quell, would quell spiritualism and superstition, but would also quench reverence for God and fear of his wrath at injustice and unrighteousness. Wielded by unscrupulous men, this methodology would usher in the Enlightenment and Darwinian evolution, rational, rationalization the elite used for racism, slave labor, and genocide. Bacon would rekindle ideas of the enlightened utopia and pick Plato's Atlantis to do it with. In his work, New Atlantis, Bacon laid out the vision replete, which means full of, copious amounts of christian imagery in this new atlantis which was actually a small novel he left unfinished in uh, 1627 the citizens have been christianized via a copy of the bible that has miraculously appeared on their island of ben salem hebrew for son of peace they are chaste and pious and the political officials act without compensation it is a society founded on science. These ideas strongly influenced men of the founding generation, both in American, both in America and in Britain. More than a few on both continents thought they were creating Bacon's New Atlantis here in the United States. American masonry can be traced to England during the time of Sir Francis Bacon, 1561 to 1626 who is considered the first grandmaster of modern masonry. Even at this time, the inner doctrine of embracing all the world religions alongside Christianity existed, but they did not publish such things in formal declarations for fear of persecution. Sir Francis Bacon's close associate during this time was Dr. John Lee, John D. You guys know who John D is, right? Famous alchemist, right? Who was the court astrologer for Queen Elizabeth I. It is well known that Dee was a sorcerer who summoned demonic spirits to obtain secret knowledge and practice uh, a practice used by Rosicrucians, of whom Dee was the chief in England. 
yeah, they also immediately when they start talking to demons, they're convinced that the, in, in the next step in their uh, mysticism has to be wife swapping. And then they get into children. It's always the same like step-by-step -step routine that they're convincing their people that are channeling them to do. So it goes, it goes from wife swapping to mixing your own children into it uh, with other people's children, which is disgusting. And then it goes into cannibalism and blood and all kinds of stuff. <sighs> and they still think that that thing wants to do some, something right by them, right? It is well known that, okay, we already talked about that. Uh, let me start that sentence or the whole thing over because it's a long sentence and there's something I stopped it before it was over. It is well known that D was a sorcerer who summoned demonic spirits to obtain secret knowledge, a practice used by Rosicrucians for centuries and whom of whom D was the chief in England. The root word for demon means a knowing one, a daemon, right, in Greek. The Rosicrucians desired to know secrets of science, knowledge, and consulted demons to get information, kind of like what Solomon did. Hey, you know, build me a temple, demons, because I'm sure that's what God would, you know, want for his um, temple. <laughs> Bacon also made contact with demonic spirits, including the goddess Pallas Athena, whom he claimed was his muse or inspiration. In time, D handed off the leadership of the Rosicrucian Society to Bacon, who would enfold the secrets of Rosicrucianism into the system of Freemasonry. Little wonder that Sir Francis Bacon would become the father of the modern scientific method and that men like Benjamin Franklin and Thomas Jefferson who would, uh, would follow his example in their scientific endeavors. Nothing wrong with following the scientific endeavor part of knowing a scientific method. So don't get that confused with they're doing crazy witchcraft or anything. Franklin and Jefferson are both acclaimed, are both claimed by modern Rosicrucians as being of their order. Like the Gnostics, the Rosicrucians craved knowledge. It was this desire that led them to worship Lucifer. Okay, so here's what I'm going to stop right there. The Gnostics didn't ever call them that themselves that. They were really Christians. They didn't seek that type of knowledge. They sought inner work to develop the self and go on the personal journey of cultivating the spark within you and that that would bring to you the gnosis or knowing your God better. So it's not the same pursuit as I want, I want to be able to do magic. I want to be able to and, and, uh, impose my will upon others. That was Rosicrucian shit. That wasn't Gnostic stuff. In 1793, when George Washington sanctioned the laying of the Capitol building's cornerstone, he did so wearing a Masonic apron emblazoned with the Brotherhood symbols. Well, of course it would be if it's a Masonic apron, yeah. For a cult expert and 33rd degree Freemason, Manly P. Hall, this made perfect sense. Was, Frank, was Francis Bacon's vision of the New Atlantis a prophetic dream of the great civilization which was so soon to rise up rise upon the soil of the new world he asked in the secret teachings of all ages it cannot be doubted that the secret societies conspired to establish such upon the american continent hall continued that historical incidents in the early development of the united states clearly bore the influence of that secret body 
which has so long guided the destinies of peoples and religions by them nations and by them by them nations are created as vehicles for the promulgation of ideas and while nations are true to these ideals they survive when they vary from them they vanish like in a like the atlantis of old which has which had ceased to know the gods all right in freemasonry the intersecting of the compass and square compass and square are meant to call to mind the luciferian desire to create a paradise on earth um that's a statement that i don't know if i where, where does that come from the intersecting of the compass and square are meant to call to mind the luciferian desire to create a paradise on earth and to be on be like unto god their mantra as above so below so the, so here's a couple things here the as above so below i think is also cryptic and it's not for in the profane even when they're trying to decipher it aren't getting it correct i don't think it has anything to do with the skies or the heavens and i don't think it, <laughs> i think it, it's it's going somewhere in a different direction and, and i until i have more information i'm not going to go there but subterranean perhaps is the below and above is where we're standing right here i don't think it has anything to do with the skies just saying and it could also be inner and outer so there's a couple of things going on there and it could mean all three because that's how mysticism is supposedly layered when it comes to certain doctrines that it has a meaning for each level of knowledge and each one of them is valid to a point but also means more all right the compass and square as you see here on the page i'm not sure how that invokes paradise on earth I'm not, I'm not seeing where the where the leap is there. The so-called Star of David is more symmetrical rendition of this. No, that's the. Oh my god. That's the Merkaba, just in a two-dimensional layout. The Merkaba is the god that is the chariot of the gods, right? It's the uh, division of Isaiah, right? So you're look, or I think it was him. That's that's what you're seeing in a two-dimensional two-dimensional form but it's also the male and female overlaid on top of each other the triangle up and the triangle down so the hermaphroditic baphomet shows the com combining of man and woman and animal into one satanic being pointing above and below yeah there, there's more to it than that it, it deals with pan and all kinds of other stuff all right arthur richard author richard allen wagner which show in his book, The Lost Secret of William Shakespeare, the trail that led from the Templars through Bacon, through Masonic Rosicrucianism to the New World. The suppression of the Knights Templar in 1307 had driven European uh, philosophy and science completely underground to progressive minds from the Templar ranks proficient in the arts and sciences, sciences found refuge in small secret enclaves Throughout Europe, the clandestine movement was generically known to its adherents as the Invisible College, the Great Society. It is not certain when such terms as Rosicrucian and Freemason began to take root, but it is certain that the movement lacked any semblance of cohesive organization and purpose. Dr. John D., the eminent authority on Hermeticism and Kabbalism, 
that's important to understand in England laid the groundwork for the formation of the Rosicrucian order. He most certainly initiated young bacon into the order as evidenced by Jacob Katz engraving 1655 of D passing the lantern of Rosicrucian light to bacon over an open grave for all intents and okay. didn't say purposes for all intents. Bacon was now the leader of the Rosicrucian movement, you know, passing the torch, which is actually more symbolic of Luciferian ideas too, or Promethean, Promethean ideas, the light bearer, stealing the fire from the, from the gods to give the man. It's all supposed to be knowledge or intellect, right? As a measure to ensure that Rosicrucianism would be, wouldn't become Baconism, Bacon invented a mythical Rosicrucian founder whom he cleverly dubbed Christian Rosencruz or Brother CRC. Some sources make references of Father CRC. Rosencruz is German for Rose Cross. Has, as had been the case with Shakespeare, the names were carefully crafted as encryption devices corresponding to powerful Kabbalistic number 13. Okay, so do you guys remember who signed the uh, the, the Georgia Guidestones? Right there. That guy. So they're saying Rosencruz or brother CRC, some sources make us. So they're saying it was a mythical Rosicrucian founder. Mm -hmm. As had been the case with the Rosicrucians, operative Freemasonry was stag stagnating without direction or purpose. The, or the old order had adopted the practice of accepting worthy men such as Bacon into their ranks who were not employed in the trade of masonry as descendants of the, that's never been a, an issue as descendants of the Knights Templar, the Rosicrucians and the operative Masons both made use of the same symbols and rituals on a deeper level. This, uh, the comical wedding reflected Bacon's desire to alchemically transmute the two orders into one unified society sharing the same ideas, ideals, goals, and philosophy. The year 1606 saw the establishment of, the sev of several Rosicrucian colonies, the most prominent taking root in what is now Pennsylvania. Later, Pen Benjamin Franklin, who was greatly influenced by Bacon's work, would emerge as the highest ranking Rosicrucian Masonic figure from that colony. Likewise, other Rosicrucian Masonic founding fathers of the new American nation, such as George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, and Thomas Paine were avid readers of Bacon. Jefferson is said to have carried a picture of Bacon with him wherever he went. Well, I'd like to see the evidence of that somehow. It's got to be written out by someone who said it. In his book, The Secret Destiny of America, Manly P. Hall writes, Franklin spoke of the order of the quest, and most of the men who worked with him in the early days of the American Revolution were also members. The plan was working out. The new Atlantis was coming into being in accordance with the program laid down by Francis Bacon the 150 years earlier. So, so far, they're not saying there's anything bad about that plan, though, because if, if it really was intended to be freeing man and the principles of freedom still, st still remained and they're not reinterpreted, 
so far so good. So who cares where it came from? If it was something different, if it was in objection to the completely corrupt and uh, established order of the church, that, 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 that's actually more to its credit than to its disgrace. But as we were reading already, the Jesuits had their hands in this uh, in this Masonic order back in back on home base in England and France. The rebellion of technological nirvana, free from restrictions of the creator. See, that's not that's an implication that they're implying that, and that's not so. How can it be that they're looking? You know, they're they're serving the grand architect and they're freeing man, and then all of a sudden say that it's in defiance of the creator. Where's that leap? I need to I need to see that leap before I can can just grab onto that. You know, it's like because we think this is about about a certain group, therefore it must be. Since we always heard that the Rosicrucians and Freemasons are bad, we gotta whatever they endeavored in must be bad too. Well, maybe after it was corrupted by certain Jesuits and certain Frankists, sure, but there was a time. There was a time when they were just the the high society who obviously if they were wealthy and prosperous would think that they had a higher say in how to make people and things better and make societies better since they were the ones who were the masters of their own destiny versus the the unwashed masses right wouldn't one just a, would who do you take who do you take uh advice from you know the guy sitting outside of the 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 quick mart uh, asking you for change or, or the person who actually has done something you know what i mean that's you're not you're not aspiring to to get to the it, it, or or that person can't practice what they preach you know what i mean so it doesn't make sense to just naturally jump on negative not saying that it's not there i'm just saying by what we've established so far there's nothing here to say okay this is wrong and bad ignatius loyola oh, hold on i missed something The Antediluvian World was published by Ignatius Loyola. Ignatius Loyola Donnelly, that is, Lieutenant Governor of Minnesota and three-term Republican congressman holding those offices collectively from 1860 to 1868. Those were critical years for America. Oops. T.E. Wilder, in his review of David Stevenson's The, Order of, the Origins of Freemasonry, noted the questionable agenda of Lutherans obsessed with alchemy as well as the man credited with creating Freemasonry being Catholic. The fact that the most interesting Mason of the 17th century, Sir Robert Moray, was a, a covenanter general and that one stream of influence of, on Masonry was the hermetic Lutheranism, Lutheranism of the Rosicrucians, which was present in the military arm of German Protestantism, should make us re-examine the goals and methods of this generation of reformers why again certain people who claim to be rosicrucians doing magic and summoning demons on this side other people who are lower level who actually believe in the bullshit that the people on top are telling them are actually doing good in a lot of these lodges a lot of these and that's usually how it's going down they aren't privy to what these other idiots are doing over here who isolate themselves and you can't get into their secret little door lock, right? You have to, you can't wrap 
X amount of times or get the funky handshake in order to go in there and see what they're up to. So that type of isolationism makes it so that just because you're labeled Freemason, Rosicrucian, Oddfellow, doesn't necessarily mean that you're even privy to what's really going on with other parts of your own lodge. So good could be happening mixed with bad. And it doesn't say that all people who are of this thing are doing bad stuff. Lutheranism on its face was good. Protestantism, if you're gonna, if you have if you insist on following an Abrahamic religion, I think that was the better choice than going Roman Catholic because it was a bunch of bloody goddamn savages over there, the ones that were, you know, imposing their will upon all and trying to subjugate and see the whole thing about the Roman Catholic Church is they want everybody bowing to them. And they still do. They believe through their papal bulls that they own the world, they own your souls, and they own everything, including and, and your your property, your soul is theirs, and they own everything on earth and the earth itself. They've 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 put those papal bulls into the ceremony and no one's ever challenged them, and therefore it, it remains according to them. So that's a problem if you don't like what's going on in the world right now because that is a direct reflection of their master plan as carried out by giant organizations such as the United Nations, our government, and clandestine operations like the Mossad and the CIA and the Jesuits, which I kind of just repeated myself by saying Mossad and CIA. We're not going to go too far deep into this anymore. Let me see if I click on a couple of wings. I already did that one. That's a little bit further down. I want to see if there's more about bacon later on. This is a really good book, though. Let's get down a little bit further. I'm on six, what? 658. There was another part. Oh, that's the bibliography. Um, Yeah, no, it's all right. I'll, it's good enough. It's good enough for that piece. Now let's go ahead and look at something else here. I believe I want to go to... I'm going to jump back over to... Hey, buddy. Here we go. Let's take Jesuit out of here, and we're going to look for... I hate saying that word out loud. So that's six. Illumination. Yeah, no, we got to get there. So this goes into, you know, I should probably just go for Wysopt and go from that direction. This is 200 pages to have to navigate through. So if I have a few short shortcuts, it helps. Yeah, it's still in chapter two. The first time they bring up Dr. Adam Wysopt is right here. So it says, I now, I have now arrived at what I should call the great epoch of cosmopoliticism, the scheme communicated to Baron uh, Niggy by Marchese de Constanza, de Constanza 
This obliges me to mention a remarkable lodge of the eclectic masonry erected at Munich in Bavaria in 1755. Remember Bavarian Illuminati or the perfectible listing? Under the worshipful master, Professor Bader, Bader, maybe two A's, it was called the Lodge Theodore of Good Counsel. It had its constitutional patent from the Royal York at Berlin, but had formed <clears throat> but had formed a particular system of its own by instructions from the laws de Cavaliers uh, Bienfaisants at Lyons, which with which it kept up cor a correspondence. This respect to the lodge at Lyons had arisen from the preponderance acquired in general by the French party in the convention at uh, Wilhelmsbad, or Wilhelmsbad, maybe. The deputies of the Rosaic lodges, as well as the remains of the Templars and Strickton, uh, and Strickton observance, or strict observance, right? all looking up to this as the mother lodge of what they called the Grand Orient de la France, consisting in 1782 of 266 improved lodges united under the uh, de Descartes, you know, uh, Cartres. Accordingly, the lodge at Lyon sent Mr. Willermuse as deputy to the convention at Wilhelmsbad, refining gradually to the simple British masonry, the lodge had formed a system of particular, oh, sorry, practical morality, practical morality, which it asserted to be the aim of genuine masonry, saying that a true mason and a man of upright heart and active virtue are synonymous characteristic uh, characters and that the great aim of Freemasonry is to promote the happiness of mankind by every mean in our power. In pursuance of these principles, the Lodge Theodore professedly occupied itself with, uh, is it economical, statistical, and political matters, and not only published from time to time discourses on such subjects by the Brother Orator, but the members considered themselves as in duty bound to propagate and inculcate the same doctrines out of doors. Of the zealous members of the Lodge Theodore, the most conspicuous was Dr. Adam Weishaupt, professor of canon law in the University of Ingolstadt. This person had been educated among the Jesuits, but the abolition of their order made him change his views and form, yeah, sure did, and form and from being their pupil, he became their most bitter enemy. He had acquired a high reputation in his profession and was attended uh, not only by those intended for the practice in law in the law courts, but also by young gentlemen at large, young gentlemen at large in their course of general education. And he brought numbers from the neighboring states to his university. And gave a ton of, and I gave a ton to the studies of the place. He embraced with great keenness this 
opportunity of spreading the favorite doctrines of the lodge and his auditory became the seminary of cosmopoliticism. The, the engaging pictures of the possible felicity of the society were where every office is held by a man of talents and virtue and where every talent is set in a place fitted for its exertion forcibly catches the generous and unsuspecting minds of youth and in a uh, Roman Catholic state far advanced in the habits of gross superstition, a character given to Bavaria by its neighbors and abounding in monks and idle dignitaries, the opportunities must be frequent for observing the inconsiderate dominion of the clergy and the abject and indolent submission of the laity. Accordingly, Professor Weissopt says in his Apology for Illuminism, Illuminatism, that deism, infidelity, and atheism are more prevalent in Bavaria than in any country he was acquainted with. Discourses, therefore, in which the absurdity and horrors of superstition and spiritual tyranny were strongly painted could not fail of making a deep impression. And during this state of the minds of the auditory, the transition to general infidelity and irregulation, I'm sorry, irreligion, is so easy and so inviting to sanguine youth, prompted perhaps by its uh, latent wish that the restraints which religions impose on the expectance of the future state might be found on inquiry to be no, nothing but groundless terrors that I imagine it requires the most anxious care of the public teacher to keep the minds of this of his audience impressed with <laughs> my god this, this is like a run-on sentence forever the reality and importance of the great truths of religion while he frees them from the shackles of blind and absurd superstition finally a period i fear that this celebrated instructor had none of this anxiety but was satisfied with his great success in the last part of that of this task the emancipation of his young hearers from the terrors of superstition i suppose also that this was the more agreeable to him as it procured him the triumph over the jesuits with whom he had long struggled for the direction of the university this was in 1777 weisop had long been scheming the establishment of the association or order which in time should govern the world hear that in his first fervor, fervor <laughs> and his and high expectations, he hinted to several ex-Jesuits the probability of their recovering under a new name, the influence which they formerly possessed, and of being again of great service to society by directing the education of youth, of youth, of dis youth of distinction, now emancipated from all civil and religious prejudices. Yeah, that pesky religion stuff. He prevailed on some to join him, but they all retracted but two. After this disappointment, Wysep became the implacable <laughs> enemy of the Jesuits, and his sanguine temper made him frequently lay himself open to their piercing eye and drew on him their keenness, resentment, and at last made him the victim of their enmity. So moving along here, let's just, ow, 
Yeah, there were, I poked myself with a needle. There. Oh, they poked me with a needle there, didn't they? It's still kind of sore. Uh, let's see. What do I want to take from this before we get moving on? So what we're not going to hear in this treatment here by John Robeson is his knowledge or or his because he doesn't have knowledge of this but there's two other elements that are kind of like moving objects in this whole scheme here the schema and yes you have Adam Weissops which we all focus on and we all say Illuminati um that's not what that he didn't do it by himself is what I'm trying to say here he wasn't hey I'm I'm Adam Weissop I'm a, I was a Jesuit, now I'm going to be Illuminati and blah, blah, blah. No, it wasn't like that at all. Money makes everything happen, or money, lack of, makes nothing happen, right? You have Meyer Amschel Rothschild, which nobody nobody disagrees on this. No, no one, no one, you know, there, there, there is no argument here. Funded this evolutionary process of a certain lodge or order this secret order of controlling, <clears throat> eventually controlling the world. But Jacob Frank, this is important because this brings in the Kabbalistic side of things again. Rosicrucians did part of it, sure. The John D. peeps, the Bacon peeps, sure, why not? It was already part of their nature. Kabbalah was already in Freemasonry. So it made perfect sense to move this piece that was the influential man who had some of Sabbatai Zevi's followers or the Sabbat Shebatians or Shebis or whatever they called them, you know, th their power and influence because they were of affluent status too, a lot of these people, plus what he was able to acquire on his own and his completely upside down and backwards and the duty-bound tasks, right? Like the... You must do these things, number one, in order to be a Frankist, basically. You have to defy all the commandments. You have to do, you know, murder, rape, incest, blood drinking, eating of the flesh, child, child sacrifice. All these things are duties of the, of the Frankist to, to undo this clipotic rule or whatever, right? And of course, the Shekinah or the female spirit is lying with the dogs and getting and getting the fleas. So you got to go into that realm too. He told everybody to, to become Christians or Catholics to convert, and he himself, Jacob Frank, was baptized. All part of the scheme, right? These are going undercover, never not being a Frankist, but being considered outwardly as something else because you were never to be. Uh, perceived outwardly as you are inwardly. Otherwise, you're not technically a Frankist. So we're talking about spycraft. We're talking about what Jesuits do. So it made perfect sense to move this piece over to here. And who did that? Well, in Frankfurt, long-standing home of the Rothschilds and the Schiffs, who actually shared a giant home there together at one point. Schiff, also, yes, Adam Schiff, but also Jacob Schiff. You know, Adam Schiff is a descendant. Jacob Schiff was the Rothschild agent that came over along with Paul Warburg and uh, 
you know, the whole 1913 debacle, the loss of our sovereignty, and then 20 years later, we're in bankruptcy and no longer have rights to anything. Yeah, that that, that happened. That was all Jacob Schiff. That was also Jacob Schiff who took 20 million of our gold and funded the, the Bolshevik revolution. But they weren't technically Jesuits, quote unquote, by the time the merger here happened with Jacob Frank being involved with this establishing of the order of the Illuminati. Now, Perfectibilistin was the name prior to the Illuminati that they were known by. And I don't know if Illuminati was something that was just given to them after the fact, because they always talked about being illumined, right? To be perfected, the perfected man. Whoever gave them the name or if they gave it to themselves doesn't make a difference, really. What, but what does matter is what Jacob Frank is all about. And again, coming from the Kabbalah, coming from mysticism, coming from this idea that created Zionism. Okay, the Lurian Kabbalah gave the Jews a task and that task was they had to force the hand, move the parts to create the, the conditions for end times so that they could redeem themselves, that they weren't supposed to let it naturally happen by God's will. They were going against the nature of God, enforcing this to happen so that their God, who may be different than the God, would come intervene. And that Messiah, whatever that Messiah would represent, would come into the picture. So when you get Christian Zionism out there doing things over in, you know, in, in Israel, in Jerusalem specifically, and, you know, supporting the, the Jewish Zionists over there, what you're what you're not you're not seeing Christians and they're not real Christians. They're all part of the same mindset, playing different roles for the public. So it's not oh these guys are Christian. No, they're not Christians. If they were, they would be not messing with what God's will is because that makes them quite anti-Christian. So Christ and church completely separate entities, not real not real friendly with one another. And if you know he was here, he'd let you know that. But they assume this stuff and they bring followers over with them because everybody's too afraid not to do or follow because what if, what if, then I go to hell, right? And this whole promise of, oh, Jesus will return if we burn a bunch of animals and or children and scatter their lashes across the dome of foundation, the dome of the rock and destroy this temple that's supposedly built by Abraham eventually, or like at one point, but um, yeah, or that Abraham was going to sacrifice. Uh, uh, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. But also built this thing and yada, yada, yada. If this is that important, it's one of their artifacts too. But by destroying that, they can build a temple. And I don't even think there was a Solomon's temple. So they're actually talking about the third temple. I think it's only the second, if it's any at all. Probably their second, not their third. But anyway, the whole point is, Forcing that hand, the, the the book then tells you the domino effect of things that are to come right after that. And they don't look good for mankind. So if you're forcing something to happen before it's supposed to, and you think God's going to be okay with that, I don't think you really think too highly of God or of your faith or of Christ himself.
to be quite honest with you, because what we should be doing is living our own lives, seeking our peace with life and God and our families and love and pursue love and kindness. And whenever things are supposed to happen a certain way, they'll happen because that's a time for them to happen. Not because a bunch of fucking fanatic maniacs who probably don't even believe in this shit anyway, but they know it'll trick other people to believe it so that when they come in for the kill, they can say it's God's will and nobody will fight them. Nobody will fight them because they don't want to be going against God. Meanwhile, their children themselves will just be sitting ducks because the mind is where the war is being fought in those people because they won't respond with practical, rational reactions. They'll just become sitting ducks. And so are their children. And a lot of their children will be handed off or they won't put up a fight. And that's pathetic. The Lodge Theodore was the place where the above-mentioned doctrines were most zealously propagated, but Weishaupt's emissaries had already procured the adherence of many other lodges, and eclectic masonry had been brought into vogue, cheap, into vogue chiefly by their exertions at the Wilhelmsbad Convention. Let's skip down a little here. Where are we at? I had to go back one. Okay, so it says, they said, now they burnt them all as of no use since the order was at the end. It is now discovered, it was now discovered that Weissop was the head of the and founder of the order. He was deprived of his professor's chair and banished from the Bavarian states, but with a pension of 800 florins, which he refused. He went to, uh, Regensburg and on the confines of Switzerland. Oh, geez, another place with the Rothschilds chill out. Two Italians, the Marquis Costanza and Marquis Savioli, were also banished with equal pensions, which they accepted. One Zwack, a counselor holding some law office, was also banished. Others were imprisoned for some time. Wasop went afterwards into the services of the uh, Duke de Saxe-Gotha, a person of romantic turn of mind and whom he, we shall again meet with. Zwack went into the service of, I don't know, de Salms, who soon after had so great a hand in the disturbances in Holland. And that's my dog barking at something. I don't know what. The Order of Illuminati appears as a as an accessory to Freemasonry. It is in the lodges of Freemasons that the Minervals are found, and there they are prepared for illumination. They must have previously obtained the three English degrees. The founder says more. He says that the do his doctrines are the only true uh, Freemasonry. He was the chief promoter of the eclectic system. This he urges as the best method for getting information of all the explanations which have been given of the Freemasonic mysteries. 
He was also strict observance, observance as the adept Rosicrucian. The, the result of this knowledge, of his knowledge, is worthy of particular remark and shall therefore be given a large, given at large, sorry, given at large. I declare, says he, and I challenge all mankind to contradict my declaration that no man can give any account of the order of Freemasonry, of its origins, of its history, of its object, nor any explanation of its mysteries and symbols, which does not leave the mind in total uncertainty on all these points. Every man is entitled, therefore, to give any explanation of the symbols and any system of the doctrines that he can render palatable. Hence, have sprung up that variety of services of systems which for 20 years have divided the order. The simple tale of the English and the 50 degrees of the French and Knights of Baron Hundle, Hund are equal, equally authentic and have equally had the support of the intelligent and zealous brethren. These systems are in fact but one. They have all sprung from the Blue Lodge of three degrees. Take these for their standard and found on these all improvements by which each system is afterwards suited to the particular object which it keeps in view. There is no man no, nor system in the world which can show by undoubted succession that it should stand at the head of the order. Our ignorance is our ignorance in this particular frets me. Our ignorance in this particular frets me. Okay, whatever. Do but consider our short history of 120 years. Who will show me the Mother Lodge? Those of London have discovered to be self-erected in 1716. Ask for their archives. They tell you they were burnt. They have nothing but the wretched sophistications of the Englishman Anderson and the Frenchman uh, Desigualier, uh, something like that. Where is the Lodge of York, uh, which pretends to be the priority with their King Bowden and the archives that he brought from the East? These two are all burnt. What is the chapter of Old Aberdeen and its holy clericate? Did we not find it unknown and the, and the Mason Lodges? They're let's see, hold on. And the Mason Lodges, they're the most ignorant of all the ignorant gaping of instruction from our deputies. Did we not find the same thing at London? Have and have not their missionaries been among us, prying into our mysteries and eager to learn from us what is true? What is true Freemasonry? It is this vain, therefore, it is, yeah, it is in vain, and therefore. To appeal to the judges, they are no, oh my God, this sentence. It is in vain, therefore, to appeal to judges, they are nowhere to be found. All claim from themselves the scepter of the order. All indeed are on an equal footing. They obtained followers not from their authenticity, but from their conductiveness to the end of, to the end which they proposed and from the importance of that end. It is by this scale that we must measure the mad and wicked explanations of the Rosicrucians, the Exorcists, and the Kabbalists. These are rejected by all good Masons because incompatible with social because it's because incompatible with social happiness. 
Only such systems as promote this are retained. So I think there's a couple articles missing in this. But alas, they are all sadly deficient because they leave us under the dominion of political and religious prejudices, and they are as inefficient as the sleepy dose of an ordinary sermon. But I have contrived an explanation which has every advantage, is inviting to Christians of every communion, gradually frees them from all religious prejudices, cultivating cultivates the social virtues and animates them for, by a great, a feasible and speedy prospect of universal happiness in a state of liberty and moral equity, freed from the obstacles which subordination, rank, and riches continually throw in, their, in our way. My explanation is accurate and complete. My means are effectual and irresistible. Our <laughs> secret association works in a way that nothing can withstand and man shall soon be free and happy. To find out more, go to gutenberg.org files. I think I'm done. But this is interesting, and we can pick up on this some other time. But this is, you know, we're going to get a little bit more detail as to where this Bavarian Illuminati, what, how everybody talks about it and says, oh, yeah, they did this, they did that. What did they do and how did they do it? Well, we're learning from John Robeson, who was in these places and had their documents and was attempted to be recruited by them. We have their information. We also have the the information, the papers that were discovered on the dead body of the guy who got struck by lightning, who had him in his sewn into his uh, his coat. So we can look at that as well, and we can get a real explanation as to what the uh the motives and the methods were of this illuminati but also compare that to the very fabric of what frankism is about and when you see the parallels there's no doubt that they were combining their efforts to make this order even if their people are being told that it's going to be this wonderful great thing they had other plans, man. And what we're seeing played out now is the maturity of that plan to where the adherents know and they've accepted this the wickedness of the of this order. And they have embraced it and they've brought more people on because morality and humanity has been broken down by these types of orders in our society, working away at our family values, working away at our institutions our education drugging us so that we have broken messed up families all this stuff has been going on showing us filth on tv and lack of care for a family all this stuff now people don't have to be convinced as hard to do horrible things and if it benefits them they'll do it and if they feel like they'll be a, an elitist or or they'll be spared of something they're also cowards they've they've bred cowardness into mankind so that we would accept or get out of the way or stand there like a damn idiot target for them to do whatever they would feel like anyway they've done they've worked us over through cult, culture creation through 
social engineering and through straight mind manipulation to where they can get their job done and everybody else has been like basically numbed down dumbed down completely subverted to where they don't they just won't even accept it and turned so scared of their own shadow that they won't anyway they've taken them that's why there's a war on masculinity it's nothing toxic about it nothing toxic about it unless you don't have it then the whole world is toxic because it takes people with bravery to keep evil in check and when that element is gone it runs rampant the cat's away the little weasels are playing check out the book right you know i'm not saying let me show it to you because you'll love it makes for a great christmas gift you should get an extra one because you'll want to read it too get two in case you want to read it more than once <laughs> i think that was a oh that was uh my blue heaven why do you have 34 copies of it he looks at it in case i want to read it more than once all right so this is the right there all right so in the description you'll see this thing that's highlighted right here i'll, I'll chop that in the uh thingamajig here paste boom boom bing Ta -da! all right there you have it all right there's only 17 motherfuckers watching anyway so and then priestcraft beyond babylon soon to be bestseller because people are going to watch it read it i should say and love it and share it and i'm going to try to get on some shows and talk about it i don't know how to talk about my own the stuff that i do that's the hardest thing i have to do i have to you know i can't like to, what do you do i describe it i can't i just write it and that's that there you go that's what did you do i did this see this there there it is but yeah it takes in a lot of the elements that we've all heard a million trillion times from these mouthpieces but they never explain the details that are necessary to sell their story or to even verify what they're claiming and a lot of the stuff when you come right down to it they're completely wrong about it and it's been bandied about by so many people that everybody just accepts that that's the way it went and that's how it's true and it's not always the case it, there's a bigger deeper more important story that we need to get right in order for us to understand what the hell is going on with our world and that's what this attempt was to get people curious enough give us enough give enough data to where it's workable it's something to to base it, your own research on but also it's fulfilling and rewarding enough to where you're getting a ton of information as it is and it's done in a way where each part works as a building block upon itself as you read it in addition to that there's is some humor involved because that helps keep the keep it in the memory when there's a pause in the, the the drama of things you get to have that experience and then you laugh that sticks in your mind there's a whole this is done very meticulously and very deliberate to give a really good overall impression upon your mind that will allow you to not be overwhelmed by it to where you're gonna think you know reject or love or hate or whatever it's just gonna be 
inspirational to where you'll be like, wow, I want to learn more about this topic, that topic, whatever. And also this is great information to look to see if it's true or not. Because remember, listen to everybody, read everything, believe absolutely nothing, not even me, until you can prove it in your own research. If you don't care about that, if you want to just believe stuff, unfortunately, that's how we get into messes. Because even when people have the best intents, it doesn't mean that where they're getting their information from isn't also a deception. So I do my very best not to let that happen to me. But I'm not saying it can't. So take this. And as a starting point or as a picking up point from where you're at, and it also incorporates a bunch of Bill Cooper in it, which is very cool. But there's also a lot of other elements in it, too, not just Bill's. But there's a lot of really good broadcasts where he said it perfectly, certain things. And to hear his voice saying it is more impactful than reading it. But if you know what his voice sounds like from listening to the hour of the time, you can always imagine that. Plus, I give you all the the names of the broadcast from which he's taking, I'm taking these chunks out of throughout the book so that you can go listen to that and have him read it to you. So it's, you know, you can basically listen to it. It's on uh, um, BitChute. Most, you know, actually all of his broadcasts are on BitChute. So you'll see the, the episode number start it and then have him read you that section himself and then, and then get into the next section where I'm writing and then when another part of his comes up, you can go grab that one, play it, and it's partial audiobook. It's you know, and then you can hear it from his voice. All right, that's it. Enjoy, have a great night. I'm gonna go lay down and rest my broken body here. I had a good time tonight. Hope everybody had a good time.